0: Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attack. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. This is Bobby Bliss from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Ron Bumblefoot for Fall of Guns and Roses, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Wendorf of Monster Magnet. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Kiske talking. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Terror. Hey, everybody. What's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on Mars Attacks.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Don Jameson from That Metal Show on DH1 Classic. Hey, everybody. This is your big daddy-o, Gene Hoagland. Hey, this is Kurt Winstall from Crowbar. And
0: this is Alan Tecchio from Autumn Hour, Hades, Nonfiction, Watchtower, Minds, Leaders, and other assorted bands and you're listening. Listening to Mars Attacks Radio. Hey I and some Bangers, this is Dolo Cash. Hi, it's Conrad
1: of Peace, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. No! Hi, yeah, okay. So hey, this is Paul Shortino. How you doing? Formerly a rough cut, quiet riot, and currently with King Cobra. You're listening to
2: Mars Attack. <laughs> Hello, this is Dave Rethitt and you're listening to Mars Attacks with my good buddy Victor crank it up. Hey, what's up everyone? This is Mark from Camera. Hey, this is
0: Michael Lando from Adrenaline Mob. I'm
3: Kane.
4: And I'm Chris Poland, and you're listening to Mars Attack.
2: Welcome, one and all, to episode number 50 of the Mars Attacks Podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and during this episode, we have interviews with Mike Orlando from Adrenaline Mob, whose track hit the wall we were just listening to. And Chris Poland, legendary guitarist of Megadeth, Damn the Machine, Ohm, and Ohm Free. We're going to catch up with Chris. And uh, I guess we could sort of let the cat out of the bag regarding this month's classic albums column. Chris Poland has a lot to do with it. Uh, hint, hint. Um, <laughs> the classic album column will be focused around Megadeth's Peace Cells. So there you go. Uh, up to date, we've been able to get a hold of not only Chris, but Glenn Drover. Also, Dave Ellefson has come on board and we're trying to work diligently to get a few other either current or former members of the band involved. In any event, this episode he'll discuss some of the bands that that I just mentioned. Uh, There will not be anything regarding Megadeth because that will come later this month. So, uh, in any event... This weekend had a great experience uh, seeing Iced Earth live for the very first time and was able to talk to John Schaefer. Uh, What a great down-to-earth person, Uh, no bullshit whatsoever person, Uh, at least that's what I got from him, and I mean, there are a lot of different things that people have said regarding him over the years, and uh, regarding all the various lineup changes, it's funny because Um, Iced Earth, or John Schaefer, I should say, uh, Jeff Waters, and Dave Mustaine have been sort of grouped together by the quote-unquote metal community for better or for worse. You know, unfortunately, uh, as much as we all love metal, there are just so many elitists. And assholes out there in the community that will bitch about what's metal, what isn't, what's hard rock, what isn't, what's pop, what's this, what's that. And I had, you know, a long discussion uh, with John regarding the new album Dystopia, which I got to listen to for the first time on the way to the show and absolutely loved it. Uh, And for anyone that thinks that I'm just saying this to kiss John's ass or to kiss Iced Earth's ass, that's not... The case in point at all. Absolutely love the album. I've been cranking it all weekend long. And they played quite a few tracks off of the album live. So they play the track Dystopia, Anthem. uh, They played V. They played Days of Rage. And I might be missing a track off of that. Um, But opening up for them was Fury UK. A band that I was introduced to at the show. And uh, unfortunately, I was talking to John when um, when they were playing, so I didn't get to catch all of their set, but what I did hear, I did like. And um, we'll have interviews with Chris, their lead singer, with John Schaefer, and with Giovanni Durst and John Leone from White Wizard. Uh, after everything that's gone down. In the White Wizard camp and all the things that uh, were said back and forth on the site between Eric Kluber and John Leone. Excuse me, their voice dropping out there for a second. But it seems as if everyone wants to get past everything that's happened and they want to move forward. And I got to tell you guys, White Wizards were great. ...in concert. I was not expecting them to be as good as they were. Uh, we've seen all types of videos on YouTube, and there are all the different clans or tribes backing up the different members that were in the band. And I have to tell you, this lineup of the band was flawless live. And Had they have sucked, I would have said it. But they were great. They have Michael Gremio, who was in Celador singing... And Michael Gremio hit every note that both Wyatt and James Luna did live uh, while they were with the band. So that to me was a very important aspect of their live show. Aside from that, they have two new guitars, okay? Jake Dreyer is up there on the level of James LaRue and... Eric Kluber, two good friends of mine. Well, Jake, 19 years old, is pulling off all of their leads. And, you know, you could say all that you want about John Leone, but he knows how to surround himself with great players. I mean, they've had great players throughout the lineup or all the various lineups of the band. And hopefully this lineup is solidified enough so that um, we can see some type of... Uh, released by them in the future. Um, I have to reiterate, I am friends with everyone that I've interviewed with the band, and I understand everyone's viewpoint and whatnot. You know, I've not, I wasn't there. I've never had any of these guys do anything bad to me, and quite the opposite. The White Wizard family, the extended family, I should say, has always been good to me. So I can't say a bad thing about them. And again. They were great, and they played six songs. They played Over the Top, 40 Deuces. They played um, off of the High Speed GTO EP. They played High Speed GTO, Celestina. And uh, off the new album, they only played the title track, uh, Flying Tigers. And off of Over the Top, they played Iron Goddess of Vengeance. So, uh, very cool lineup, very cool Concert all the way through and Iced Earth. There's one thing that I brought up to uh, John Schaefer that for some reason I guess it sort of caught him off guard. I asked him how important branding is when it comes to music, and he sort of mentioned something to the effect of never looking at. Um, any of the bands he's involved in as a brand. But you have to look at White i I'm sorry. You have to look at Iced Earth and the juggernaut that they are when it comes to merchandising. I dare you to go to a show, a metal show, and tell me that you haven't seen an Iced Earth T shirt. At a show. They have a very loyal following. And yes. They're not up there with Metallica. Or with Iron Maiden. Or with Judas Priest. They're juggernauts of this nature. That I mean their merchandising is off the hook. KISS, ACDC, Ozzy Osbourne. Groups that have been around forever. If you think about it. Iced Earth is probably that next tier of band. that That's been that merchandising dynamo. That you always see their shirts at shows always I can't recall, and this is something that John Leon said to me as well. I saw an ice to earth t-shirt before I ever heard of the band, okay, and that's something that John Leon mentioned as well, and it's very true. you go to festivals, you go to shows, you feel the ice to earth presence, and once I saw them live. I understood why. I mean, I've been a fan of the band. I've been a fan of the band since Glorious Burden Onward. I have to admit that. Um, But seeing them live, seeing Stu Block live, pulling off everyone's vocals, pulling off Ripper Owens' vocals, pulling off um, Matt Barlow's vocals, I mean, it was just incredible and how he had the, uh, the entire crowd pumped up and how John Schaefer and everyone else in the band how they had the the crowd just absolutely going i can't say enough good things about their live show it was just incredible it was a great great show and again i truly recommend you going out and seeing them and the 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 Band is very tight. Uh, they have Freddie on bass, who's just incredible on back backing vocals as well. Played a five-string Thunderbird throughout the show. Had Troy Seely on guitar, playing a Shure guitar, a um, a brand that I'm getting used to uh, over the course of the last few weeks. But great, great lead guitarist, played everything flawlessly. And Brent Smedley, who's been in and out of the band's lineup, was awesome in concert as well. Played everyone's parts, whether he was in the band or not. Played everything flawlessly. They're true professionals. When I walked in to interview John Leon and Giovanni, uh, I got to see them during sound check for a second while I was walking through the venue. And it was... Just so cool seeing them. They were so serious um, with their sound check. And John Leon mentioned this. He said uh, he has never seen another lead singer take sound checking so serious as Stu Block. He's there. He's going. He's not just going through the motions. He's going through all the emotions that he projects while he's on stage, whether it's sound checking or whether you know it's it's in front of, you know, a few hundred people or a few thousand people. So it was very cool to see. And um and yeah, if you have a chance to see to see either one of those bands, again, White Wizard has finally got their act in gear with this lineup or so it seems. Let's hope that they can keep things going. But if you can see Iced Earth, if you can check out Dystopia, go ahead and do so. I recommend it I I can't recommend it enough So uh, let's jump into a quick track Off of Dystopia The name of this track is V
1: His mind is worn and so tortured
2: Iced Earth coming off of the new album Dystopia and I dare you to listen to that track and not have that melody line in your head going over and over again. So again, check out Iced Earth, check out White Wizard and Fury UK for that matter if you have the chance. And uh, getting on into the first interview in today's episode... We have Mike Orlando, Mike Orlando, who, if you followed his career, put out Sonic Stomp and Sonic Stomp 2 before joining this quote unquote supergroup, group uh, Adrenaline Mob, which he interestingly enough mentions that he more or less started and that he pretty much wrote every song that you hear on the Adrenaline Mob EP. So I found that to be quite interesting in any event. Let's get into another track by Adrenaline Mob. Uh, we start talking about this track pretty much right off the bat, uh, just because it's my favorite song off of the EP. I know a lot of people have said, well, you know, this is probably the lightest track, whatever. The lyrics to this just hit home uh, regarding a certain family situation that's uh, been going on these last few months. So... Uh, The name of this track is Believe Me, and um, after that we'll just jump into the interview portion with Mike Orlando. Few questions here regarding uh, Adrenaline Mob. I have to say that uh, uh, I didn't know what to expect uh, with the album or with the EP, and I absolutely love it. <laughs> oh, wow.
3: That's awesome, man. Um,
2: I, I put a review up on, on my site, and uh, I like all the songs from start to finish, but. For some reason, I guess just due to the mood and everything else, the lyrics for Believe Me really hit home, and I've been playing the crap out of that song, so.
0: Wow. Well, that's uh, that's one of my favorites. That's, that's for sure. Lyrically cool. and musically, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, both. It's a complete package, so.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you're digging it,
3: man.
2: <laughs> cool. So, Initially, uh, I spoke to Russell a few months ago. Actually, it was the tail end of last year. And it was funny because he said to me, um, I have a project in the works. I can't tell you anything about it, but I'm dying to work with someone. um, And you'll know shortly. And two days later, sure enough, there were pictures of you and Russell on the web. And shortly after... Uh, everything with uh, Portnoy. so it was interesting that he had hinted at that um during that call um so essentially, you put the project together uh with Russell uh Tell us how everything came together. Who approached two, and how did you guys proceed from there?
0: Hey, well, basically, it started years ago um you know three, maybe even four at this point, where me and Russell just got together. Through mutual friends, and um, I started to work with him on his second follow-up solo CD, the, the follow-up to Atomic Soul. So okay. basically, have been working on that for a long time, um, but throughout those years, I created and started this, essentially, what became this band, all the music. I had been working on it for years and years and years, and... Um, just crafting it and some some stuff even way before that, you know, some of the stuff that I, some of the songs that made Adrenaline Mob were musically songs that I had done, you know, twice as long ago than that. Um, so I kind of just started crafting it and crafting it I worked with, with different people and uh, it just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't right yet. So I, I never kind of like fully came out, you know, with a, with a whole band and stuff, but I worked with a band prior to Russell. And um, it kind of just wasn't gelling to exactly how I wanted it to sound and everything and and situations. So I just approached Russell with it while we were working. I said that, you know, had him sing on some songs, which at the time, um, you, you know, the, the name of the band was Adrenaline Something Else. You know, it was, it was just a little different. Um, so he sang on a few songs, Um, with me and the drummer that I was working with at the time in the band, and uh, it just sounded incredible. (laughs) It was like, wow, this is a a pairing, you know, which was like the music and the songs I had and and having Russell on there. And, you know, basically as soon as we did it, we kind of knew that there was something super special, you know, about the collaboration of, of what I had been doing with this, band prior to rust and, and we got together and i brought all the music to the to the table and uh, we reworked all the lyrics and, the, and and the and the melodies some stuff re- remained the same some songs we, we kept verbatim um but most of it we we just um you know we built it up again from the ground up you know lyrically and, and melodically but kept all the music that i had been working on
3: Really
2: haven't started. Okay, Um, so why did it take so long to go from the original demos? You're saying that it was, you know, a few years in the work, and why did it take so long to go from there to what we're finally Um, hearing today?
0: I well, I you know, Russell was busy with Symphony X. I was doing my Sonic Stomp Two instrumental album, um, which I was, you know getting that ready for, you know, a couple of years, a follow-up to my first instrumental CD, Sonic Stomps. And um, so it was kind of just like, you know, it was kind of a slow thing for me, getting all the stuff ready. And I was working with another singer at the time, and he was in another band. Um, So it was just a scheduling kind of thing. And then really once me and Russ started working on the adrenaline stuff, it came together really quickly, actually. You know, we started last November. Okay. And uh, you know, boom. You know, a couple, few months later, you know, we had approached Mike. I had seen Mike at Nam, and and Russ called him up, and uh, as soon as he heard it, he was on board. And so it's actually been pretty quick.
2: Okay.
0: Getting the adrenaline, um, you know, the the adrenaline lineup going.
2: (laughs) Okay. And how difficult was it to get? Um, Richard on board, and to get your bass player on board as well.
0: Actually, that was pretty easy. Um, first, it was you know, it was again we we finished up me, Mike, and Russ, and then a friend of Mike knew Paul Leo. so okay. really that that was pretty easy. We kind of like snuck up on Paul at a show one one night at a club and kind of me, Russ, and, and Mike were just watching them, and then we approached him at the end of the night, and he was pretty blown away by it. <laughs> and uh, he was pretty much, you know, he was in, you know. Um, so we had, you know, Paul record all the, the tracks and come in and, and, and lay down the bass. And then um, Rich came in real easy as well. You know, Mike's very good friends with, with Chris Jericho, and Chris actually recommended Rich. Aura.
3: Huh?
0: So it was like a no-brainer. Boom! You know, we, we saw Rich and were blown away by his, um, you know, his performing abilities and just energy on stage. And um, you know, it was it was a no-brainer.
2: <laughs> okay, Rich to me is probably one of the most underrated guitarists, if not the most underrated guitarist of the last ten to fifteen years. Not only for the work that he's done, as you hinted to his work in Fozzy, but Stuck Mojo and other stuff that he'd done on the side. So it was cool to see him get involved in this project as well.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And I, myself, am just coming to hear the other stuff. I only knew him from Fozzy, and I had never heard Stuck Mojo. And, and it, you know, he plays me this stuff now, and it's just like, that's bad ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it.
2: So you mentioned that you'd written a lot of the music. What was it like bringing it to everyone else, though? You're adding all of these components. You're adding, you know, Paul to the mix. You're adding Rich to the mix. Uh, And essentially Mike Portnoy as well, who wasn't part of those original sessions. Was it difficult for you sort of handing things over? Was it very easy for you to, you know, get input on these tracks, even though you'd been sort of um, working with them for such a long time? It
0: it was it was actually really easy. I mean, you know, I, I took all the stuff and, and me and Russ had done a lot of the production work beforehand. Just, you know, re- rearranging a part here or this sounds that better going here and just kinda, you know, A to B and B to C and um Mike came in and, and we just tweaked a few things, but it was pretty much there. It was
3: just
0: him You know, the stuff was ready to go. Paul came in, just laid his tracks down, and um, and it was just great. It was just the easiest, you know, the easiest uh, maneuver possible, you know, for us. Um, it was it because we had done so much work on it uh, you know, Main Russell, kind of crafting it, and producing it, and and getting it to a spot. And um, so yeah, no, it, it was. It was a no-brainer
2: as well. Okay. And how important was it for you guys to release the EP before you went out on tour? You have so many bands that start playing stuff live. I know you had that uh, first, quote-unquote, small show. Uh, But you have so many people go out on tour, and fans don't know any of the music. So was it critical for you guys to have that EP out there so that people know what to expect from you guys when they see you live? Yeah, I
0: definitely. I mean, it was not meant to be, you know, the way it panned out. We were not going to put an EP out. We, The album was pretty much done, and um, we were not going to come out really until it was released, you know, on a label on the whole nine yards. Um, but we got the call from Godsmack Guys, which was an offer, you know, you could not pass up. Uh, right. So we had no choice to, you know, you you, you want to go out there and tour on something. You want people to go home and and have this the CD in their hands and listen to it because what they just experienced, if they can't go home and hear it, it's like, oh yeah, I remember that band. You know, you you kind of don't want that. So we just immediately put together the EP. The songs were done, mixed. We just um, we just threw the EP together to have something to tour on. You know you. You kind of have to do it that way. Um, we did the iTunes thing, and it's been going great. You know, the people have been buying the stuff, a lot of the shows, and the Godsmack shows, and, and the merch has been has been well received. You know, so we we had no choice, really.
2: Okay, and you just mentioned that the full length is already recorded. Um, do you have a uh, date? For when the album will come out, are you guys still working with labels? Where do things stand from that standpoint? Yeah, with,
0: with the album is done. We are adding a couple more songs. Um, we are going to, uh, you know, go into the studio after this tour and add, add a couple more to the uh, to the album. And we are looking at the beginning of the year, January, maybe
3: okay.
0: January, February. week we have. You know, options on the table that we have not solidified, but we will in the next you know, coming week. Hopefully, everything will be solidified. But it is done, and um, we're just throwing a, you know a couple more onto the uh, onto the mix, and uh, and that's pretty much it, man. It should, it should definitely be out at the beginning of 2012, so no doubt. We're all excited to get it going.
2: <laughs> okay, and uh, I'm assuming that the album is more or less along the lines of what. The EP was all about. Are there any uh, surprises that people can expect?
0: Without a doubt, yes. And the um, <laughs> EP pretty hard hitting. You know, we, we we took we took the slamming tunes. I mean, we we're going out with a band like Godsmack. You know, it's a heavy band, and and man, they rock. You know, they just rock. <laughs> they rock hard. Right. You know, and um, so we took a lot of the heavy hitting stuff, but. The full-length album is very diverse. It's going to surprise a lot of people. There is a lot of radio-friendly songs. There are ballads. There are, you know, tons of surprises. Uh, one that I, I can't give out at all, but to <laughs> pull some people away. And uh, <laughs> it's it's very diverse. Let's put it that way. Yes, it's not just like in your face, everything hard hitting. Whereas the EP is kind of like you know. It, it hits you, you know, it, it definitely right. shows the energy for the band, you know, but the album will show that, that there are many gears in this, you know, race car, so to say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the one thing that sort of surprised me is that uh, maybe the the biggest negative comment that has been attached to the band is that it isn't a progressive band, To me, it's sort of, you know, a a strange thing because you have Russell, who just put out a Symphony X album, put out a Landy Allen album, and worked on Star One not too long ago. So, you know, in the course of a year, how can people realistically expect him to put out, you know, a fourth album that has progressive overtones on it? So, you know, it's just sort of shocking.
0: (laughs) It's shocking, but, you know, to me, yeah, I mean... Why would, you know, why would we ever touch on that? Symphony X and Dream Theater, you know, they do it just so well. You know, what they do, what they do. There, there would be no reason to, to try and copy or, or do, you know, a knockoff. Um, myself, you know, I'm not a, really a progressive, you know, um, I love the music, but it's just right. not something that I really wrote or got into. I'm a I'm more of a rock guy, you know. My even my instrumental stuff is is just rocking, cool grooving stuff, you know. And and um, it kind of you know translated over into the Adrenaline Mob. It's just cool, hard rock, heavy hitting. You know, it's got a lot of energy to it, and that's what we're all about, you know. And um, I had never, for one moment, wanted to do anything progressive with Russell. You know, right. that's not that's not what I'm about and, um, you know, God, they have their outlets to do that, you know, so why, yeah, why do it here, you know, so, yeah, it is shocking to some people, but, you know, everybody has their, um, you know, their taste, and um, hopefully, you know, hopefully people still dig it. I I think the reaction has been pretty great, and um, there's there's enough genre of music out there for everybody.
2: Yeah, absolutely i think you're 100% correct with that and it's funny you mention that because uh speaking to a longtime uh, portnoy fan a longtime uh, symphony x fan the one thing that he mentioned uh was that he was thrilled that it wasn't a prog band because he he felt that everything that mike had done previously any other band outside of dream theater continued to be progressive as well. So it's almost like a separation of, uh, you know, church and state here where there's two clean definitions of, you know, what's going on with this band as opposed to something else he might be involved in.
0: Oh, I totally agree. And, and you know, Mike is so amazing that he can play, you know, Ticket to Ride from the Beatles and it's still going to rock. Or he yeah. can play, you know, Adrenaline Mob song and, and, and Kill It or... You know, transatlantic or anything that he's doing, he's just so damn incredible. That is, you know, it's just that sound, you know, it's, it's, it's that he brings to the table. And um, yeah, you know, it's, I, to me, you know, this is just from from my opinion, I'm thrilled just not only being a band with but to hear him playing just, you know, hard hitting, energetic rock. It's just awesome. He, k- he kills it. He just absolutely kills it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Absolutely, and Russell's,
0: and Russell's the same thing. Russell's voice is, is just, to me, you, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't, I don't think it's too out there, but probably uh, <laughs> one of the best vocalists in metal and, and in rock. I, I, he is so unbelievably gifted. The guy can do anything. So
2: yeah um, and it's amazing because. He's really brought things to the table. Um, he's really upped his game, I think, with both this Adrenaline Mob, uh, with the EP, and with the latest uh, Symphony X album. They've both blown me away just, you know, not only how great both are from a uh, music standpoint, but his lyrics, or I'm sorry, his voice is just so ferocious and strong on both that it it, it almost caught me off guard, you know? <laughs>
0: It's true. Some, you know, again, yeah. Hearing him do the Symphony X stuff, which again, I only became accustomed to them when we started working. I, I didn't know the genre. I didn't know the band. It was all new to me. It was like, wow, this is cool. You know, I yeah. met, I, I met him, you know, four years ago. See, so you talking Paradise Lost. They, were, they were working on when, when I had met Russell. Um, so I'm new to Symphony as well. But it's so cool to hear him do Adrenaline Mob. And They're so different, but it's yeah. still buck on. And he, he kills it in any style that he sings. That's just it.
2: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, tell us a little bit about your work outside of Adrenaline Mob. You mentioned your Sonic Stomp albums. Um, tell us a little bit about that and anything else that you might be working on.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, the Sonic Stomp is something I've been doing for the last you know, five or six, Six years, I I guess. Um, I have two albums out. I started, I think, in 2006, I think was my first release, which was Sonic Stomp, and I just followed it up last year with Sonic Stomp 2, released a double album in Japan on King Records, and um, it's not your ordinary instrumental guitar music, which, you know, where it's kind of just numbers and proggy and all different, you know, mathematical beats and stuff. It's just rock. It's kind of like, you know, Adrenaline Mob in a way where it's just rock and music. You know, grooves. I'm into the grooves. I'm into getting somebody that's not necessarily a guitar player to groove along to the song, you know. And um, I've gotten a lot of feedback from people where they don't have to be a musician or a guitar player to like the stuff. They just like the music, which is really great for me. Kind of like what Joe Satriani does. He's so universal.
3: Right, because, you know,
0: you can enjoy his music, you know, and you don't have to be a shredder or or an aspiring guitar player. Um, so that's really, you know, what I've been doing. I I tour a lot, out of the country. I do a lot of runs through China and Japan, and I do all of the uh, the trade shows, Germany, and for all the companies I endorse. So I kind of like, you know, I, I that's how I kind of came up doing all the. Trade shows and pay my dues there and stuff and um and and it's it's really it's really nice when I go over to China and Japan because there's huge audiences over there for me that um that are into it and supportive, and I couldn't be more thankful about that um, so you know I'll always do that that's my passion you know Sonic stomp is something i I already have you know Sonic stomp three you know kind of cooking you know I'm stirring the brew. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so, so it's it's cool. And the last album had some great musicians. A friend of mine, John Macaluso, played drums on song two for me. From you know, TNT, Ingrid Malmsteen, he was in so many bands and great drummer himself. So, um, and I do have a lot of projects coming up, actually, that I, I am going to be recording some other <laughs> stuff this year. I know, <laughs> it's crazy. It's that 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 word it gets used a lot. <laughs> Project. <laughs> um, I, I have some some pretty cool stuff coming up, which I which hopefully I can announce in you know in, in a few weeks. Um, okay. But yeah, I definitely got some other cool stuff out. But you know, Adrenaline Mob is is number one priority, and uh, I you know I couldn't be happier to be full steam ahead with this thing. It's just an incredible band and a an okay. incredible bunch of guys.
2: Cool, okay. Um, tell us a little bit about your gear and how it may vary from Adrenaline Mob to maybe what you've used in Sonic Stomp.
0: Sure. Um, with Adrenaline Mob, I just signed with Marshall. So it is definitely a different rig. Um, I'm using, you know, two half sacks for this run. in series. Marshall j one head. Um, I have a bunch of JPMs. This run, this whole Godsmack... Adrenaline Run, I took out the two JMD-1s, 100-watt heads, and they're, they're phenomenal. Um, I'm absolutely loving it.
3: But the
0: Sonic Stomp stuff was more of like a preamp rack-mounted tube thing, because I was doing okay. so much. I would literally take my rack on the plane and travel all over the place with it, and I was using a lot of the Rocktron gear, which I still use a ton of Rocktron stuff. They make my new signature wah that they just put out, which is, you know, incredible of them to do for me, and I'm so thankful. Um, so it, it is kind of a different sound, but right now, you know, I'm I'm still rocking all the Rocktron effects and the switching systems, but it is, uh, the heart of it is a Marshall. I am a Marshall fan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. And as far as your guitar is concerned, um, are you endorsed by anyone? Yes.
0: Yeah. I am endorsed with Charvel Jackson, and I'm playing their new Desolation guitars that they just launched now, which are really incredible. Um, they kind of have this like less polished feel to them, if you could say, but they have like, 24 frets, Floyd Roses on them. I mean, just all the bells and whistles, and they're, <laughs> um, you know, they're just coming out now. so... Definitely, you guys should check them out. Um, I'm also playing, you know, the Charvel Strats, and I'm playing some Jackson Soloists and um, some Sandinuses, SoCal's, just all the Charvel stuff. It's 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 rocking. I love it.
2: Okay. And for the Adrenaline Mob, what did you tune to?
0: Um, with Adrenaline Mob, we too, we have a lot of different tunings. That was that was a crazy thing with this band because. Uh, Awesome. The album has like three or four different tunings, so they vary, it's honest. From half step down standard to half step down with a drop D. A Couple of songs, a whole step down with a drop C. You know, it really varies. Um, my rules is standard. So we're all over the place. <laughs> well, it wasn't intentional. Uh, it we just didn't realize <laughs> we were doing it and then I was like, Oh,
2: Jesus <laughs> Okay. Um, where can people go to find out about, well, once you're able to talk about your projects that you're working on, where should they go to find out more information about them?
0: Oh, definitely go to MikeOrlandoMusic.com, and that's my website. I'm on Facebook, same thing, Mike Orlando Music. I'm on Twitter, Mike Orlando one the number one. Uh, you know, so any of those topics. But well, you know, I'll be uh, announcing, you know, kind of what's going on and everything adrenaline and everything Mars stuff. <laughs> hey, this is Michael Lando from Adrenaline Mob, and you guys are listening to Mars. Okay.
2: The floor by Adrenaline Mob band that features Russell Allen from Symphony X, Mike Portnoy, former drummer of Dream Theater, Paul DeLuca on bass, and along with Mike Orlando, Richard Ward on guitars. And I'm a big, big fan of Richard Ward's. Um, absolutely love the work that he's done in Fozzy. If anyone has a problem with that, too bad. <laughs> There you know. Okay, so it's Chris Jericho's band. Um, They have some pretty cool tracks. You know, their album Happenstance happens to be my favorite because the track Happenstance and the track To Kill a Stranger just two very very uh, cool tracks. And Richard's tone is just unbelievable on all of these songs. Um, He of course comes from Stuck Mojo, but he had a band in between that wasn't signed. Um, or maybe it was signed. It was to a smaller label, and uh, it's called, or the name of the band was Six Sick Speed. It changed its name to CAFU, and then it just sort of disintegrated. Let's get into a quick track by Six Speed.
1: What I see or how you feel And it makes me sick I'm saying goodbye And I'm doing my best to forget I view the world through my broken window Seeking shelter from the things I see I stand inside and avoid the freak show And I create my own reality And here I stand I go stronger when I view the world through my broken window, seeking shelter from the things I see, I stand inside and avoid the freak show, and I create my own reality, and here I stand. My mind's steady and you're
4: never gonna find me With mud on my face and I'll never live my life in disgrace No!
1: I've been the world through my throat the things I see, and I and the and I create my only and A little six feet.
2: That track is, if I'm not mistaken, it's roughly 10 years old, might actually be older than that. It's uh, Here I Stand. And uh, definitely recommend checking out all the work that Richard Ward has done along with Mike Orlando and his Sonic Stomp projects. Let's move things forward here. Chris Poland, most of you know him from Megadeth, obviously. But uh, let's do this. Let's check out a track from his project, Ohm. And right after that, we'll jump right into the um, interview portion with Chris. And the name of this track that we're going to be playing for you by Ohm is Search for the Suicide King. (laughs) Um, you just touched upon uh, what you're doing on your own. Um, you actually have Ohm and you have Ohm Free. Can you uh, describe the difference between the two?
4: Um, oh, yeah, there's there's a big difference. I mean, Ohm Free is, is um, three of the guys from Ohm Free's McGee. Um, they're a jam band out of Chicago. And uh, Jake Sinninger is the guitar player, and Joel Cummings plays keyboards, and Chris Myers is the drummer. And that is more of a. I mean, we just every once once every couple of years we get together, and the first record I think was three days we made it in, and the second record we made it in five days. And basically, we just get in a room and just kick around ideas and write songs. Um, musically, I mean. I think it's it's different because there's three more heads in the room than than uh, you know people that write the material. Than in home, it's just basically me and Tag and whatever drummer that we have. But because there's so many more ideas floating around, it's a lot more. There's a lot more colors to choose from. You know, from the palette. You know, so but um it's just as rewarding for us. I mean, it's a lot of fun because those guys are great players and, and that's a very challenging project in itself. But with home, it's, it's more me and, and, uh, and, and, Robbie Pagliari and just, you know, that, that's our thing. And we have our own style and sound that it's kind of, you know, it's like I said, just our own thing. So, but both are, are, uh, and you know it's pretty much those two projects are where our hearts
3: lie
2: so okay and with home for example how difficult was it for you to to find all the pieces to make that band work you're saying that you have sort of a revolving door with drummers but with Robbie how difficult was it for you to hook up with him and make sure that he was the right person to work with
4: oh that was that was easy. I mean we had played when I first moved to Los Angeles in the in the late seventies we'd been, you know, on and off and playing together ever since then. So um, we have the same you know interests in, in fusion and, and and jazz and rock and whatever and and um we kinda have a a synchronicity with our playing where, you know, he kind of knows what I'm always going for and I know what he's going for. So we know what to play backing each other up or in a writing situation that just is, you know, kind of unsaid. We just know what to do with each other as far as, you know, songwriting
3: goes.
2: Okay. And uh, do you still have to weed people out that are expecting you to play, you know, something thrash, something in the vein of Megadeth?
4: Well, no. Some of our stuff has you know it's heavier sides. I, I draw from that, you know, that that band and that that kind of I guess genre. Sometimes you know because the energy it's a high energy situation in that band, and sometimes I'll draw from that and use that at home and do kind of a metal section here and there, even though you know the, the time signatures might be in seven or nine or whatever. But
2: right. And as far as your gear is concerned, um, how has your gear evolved over the years? Uh, When you take, you know, what you did in Megadeth and what you're doing in Ohm, for example, is there a big difference between the gear that you use? Okay. Can can you tell us a little bit about the difference?
4: When we were in Megadeth, I mean, basically, I started out with a, uh, you know, a Marshall amp, like a half stack, and I would just drive a a Rockman headphone out into the input of the amp and you couldn't turn it up past two or three or it was so loud that, you know. (laughs) But it, it had a great tone, you know, it had that Rockman distortion and sustain. So it was easy to just, you know, adjust your volume control on your guitar between leads and rhythms. So that was the extent of my guitar setup in Megadeth, but then with Ohm, I, I I hooked up with Bob Bradshaw, Custom Audio Electronics, and my first system was you know the old um, the RSB eighteen, and then then I got the RS ten, you know, an expander module, and now I have got I don't know like thirty loops, you know, where I have you know hangover delays and and, you know, different sets of reverbs and choruses and just all kinds of stuff to choose from. In a three-piece situation, it works out great. And eventually, I convinced Peg to get one, a smaller system like that for his bass rig. So he has the same, you know, choice of using delay and reverb and chorusing and distortion and stuff on his his bass. So it opens up a lot of... uh, ideas for songs, and just, you know, how to make a three-piece sound like a five-piece.
2: And uh, aside from these other two projects that we've discussed, you also uh, had another band that had somewhat of an exposure on MTV. Uh, You had a band called Damn the Machine. Why did that band, in your opinion, never take off, given all the excitement or given all the exposure that it initially did get from MTV and had certain videos and everything played
4: yeah what happened was um alcafaro you know we had this like dinner in some room over at AM records where you know it's like where they choose bands and whatnot and you know guys in and uh, tuxedos serving us dinner and they <laughs> sat down and told us that we're the you know we're we they know we're a three record band and they expect us to become the new Rush and blah, 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 blah. And then what happened was about six months later, they decided they ran out of money, you know, to develop bands. So basically <laughs> every, everyone on the roster that hadn't sold, you know, over a million copies was dropped. Right. And us, Extreme, just everybody on the label got dropped except for Soundgarden and maybe five other bands. And that was it. <laughs>
2: Was there no um did you guys not have any sort of desire to continue the band? I mean, was that situation just so uh devastating to you guys that you would rather just go your own way after that?
4: Well, it, it was that. I mean I wasn't I was really happy with Dave Clemens lyric writing. He was a great lyricist, but his his live singing, you know, sometimes it was um you know, questionable, and, and it just was a hard band to be in because everybody had to have their hands in the writing, and I felt it was kind of, it was just something I, I couldn't I couldn't put yeah. energy into anymore because, um, and I put so much energy into that band to get where we were and then to have us just be dropped like that. I was just insulted, and I was like, well, then, you know what, it's over, you know, so...
2: And um you also had a one so one solo album in particular that also uh received quite a bit of notoriety. You actually revisited it in 2007 return to Metropolis. I'm sorry return metalopolis, to yeah. metalopolis yeah tripping over uh, words there.
4: Yeah now that everybody gets that. Um yeah no <laughs> that was a really fun record um I would say the only thing that I, I had something to do over with that record again was I probably would have got a real bass player to cut my bass parts for me. I was okay. just, I was just playing root parts to the chords and um, it wasn't much of a it was mostly just guitar and drums, but it was, you know, it was music I was writing while I was on the road playing bass with the Circle Jerks. Right. And um it it um it just, you know, this it was, it was kind of a a catharsis of all the ideas I, I had in Megadeth that, of course, I never got to uh, use. And um, so I decided to just make a metal record with, you know, instrumental, you know, in an instrumental format. And um, right. I, I still like it to this day. I would like to someday maybe go in and actually remix it instead of just remastering hmm. it. Right. But um, I have the two-inch tape still, but I don't know. I guess I would have to have them baked to, to even... Um, Try and do something like that, but who knows what'll right. happen. But uh, yeah, one of my, you know, it's a, it's one of my, you know, I wouldn't say my favorite record, but it's it's a it's a great record, and I'm I'm proud of it. I'm proud of how my brother played drums on it, especially. So
2: okay, and um, if someone wants to find out what you're up to, what Oma's up to, uh, so on and so forth, where should they go?
4: Oh, they could just go to Chris and um everything's pretty much there and if it's not um they could probably just go to Facebook or or you know, just Google my name, Some will come up.
3: I'm King yeah. And I'm Chris Poland and you're listening to Mars Attack.
2: A little Wake Up Dead by Megadeth coming off of P-Cells. I actually took that off of the 25th Anniversary Box Set CD. That is the second CD, actually. And I highly recommend checking that box set out. We'll discuss it further later on this month when the album is featured. Quickly, we're going to jump into a little ID from some good friends of ours over at Iron City Rocks. And from there... We're gonna jump into some damn new machine. Hey,
3: what's up? This is Celenos from Dimeburger, and hey, this is Eric Johnson.
1: Hey, hey, it's Robbie Gigal. Hi, this is Joe Satriani. Hey, this is Jerry
0: from the Mr.
1: Hey, headbangers, this is Rudy Sarzo. Hi,
0: this is Steve Morse from Deep Purple.
1: Hi, this is Wild Mick Brown, and uh, I'm the drummer for Doctor and Ted Nugent. Hey, this
0: is J Malmski. What's up? It's Andy Fish from and Blacktail. Hi, i from Cradle of Filth, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks.
1: IronCityRocks.com. We think you get the idea.
2: We go the mission by Damn the Machine coming off of the self-titled debut by Damn the Machine. Wanna thank Chris Poland, want to thank Dave Reffitt actually for helping bring all of that together. And um what we're gonna do actually is check out a track off of Dave Reffitt's Shredding the Envelope album. And why I want to play this track is because he's pretty much brought together two generations of Megadeth guitars on this track. He's got Glenn Drover and he's got Chris Poland, along with himself playing on this track. Uh, If you don't know who Dave Reffitt is, I highly recommend checking out this album, Shredding the Envelope, The Call of the Flame. He's also uh, there with Guitar World Magazine. He's part of their Lick of the Day series. and He just uploaded a... um, Uh, a Metallica type riff to the net was really really cool so in any event let's get into the track Devil's Roadmap there you go, Little Devil's Roadmap coming off of Dave Reffitt Shredding the Envelope Project. The name of the album is The Call of the Flames. You can find it up on iTunes or you can actually order it from Dave Reffitt and I believe uh, CD Baby or CD Universe, one of those, has it for sale as well. I uh, want to thank everyone for listening and coming on board. want to remind you guys to go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to not only check out past podcasts but check out the classic albums column up to date we've done metallica's injustice for all cleansing by prong queens of the stone age songs for the deaf van halen 2 and tools enema and once again later this month we will premiere megadeth's peace cells and um what else check out the twitter uh if you were signed up or uh, if you have If you're following me, that's the word I was looking for. Following my Twitter account there, any one of them, you'll have found out that I interviewed Ice and, or I should say John Schaefer and John Leone and Giovanni Durst from Ice Earth and White Wizard, respectively, this weekend. So uh, follow us on Twitter. There are links to that right there on MarsAttacksRadio.com. Also, we have the radio show, which airs Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays on Mark Striegel Radio. That is MarkStriegel.com, or I'm sorry, MarkStriegelRadio.com. Uh, if you're not sure how to get there, you can find a link to that right on MarsAttacksRadio.com. You'll also find links to a bunch of other great metal sites that are collaborating with us on the Classic Albums column. And that's pretty much it. We're going to wrap things up with another track from Chris Poland's Ohm. This comes off of the album Circus of Sound. The name of this track is Funhouse. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast. (laughs)